Hello there, folks. How you going? Well, I'm back again. It's been a little while. It feels like a little while since I made up an episode. And making up is a really good way to describe what I do because there's never really, not always, sometimes there is, not always, a clear intent for what I'm doing. But today it's different. Today, I'm going to be answering the question... My daughter will ask me, I know she will, she will ask, she will ask and she'll want to know, Dad, how do I keep my brain young? Oh, crikey, sweetheart. Well, first of all, you need to understand what a young brain is. That's what I tell her. I say, look, your brain is young now. And it is young because she's only four months old. (laughs) Yeah. So she's not going to be asking these questions anytime soon. Don't be silly. That's craziness. Uh, by the way, I'm out walking the dog with the pram, of course. And Doggo decides he wants to go through town. Doggo, really? You want to go up through there, mate? Why don't we go down here first? We're going to go for... Come on, let's go through the park first. Wants to go through the park. We'll go through the town in a minute. Let's go. All right. So one thing I'm going to make very clear to her, when she gets to the point, she's genuinely asking the question... I'm going to say, love. <sighs> the brain stays young. But not young like yours is. And i tell you what's a good thing to do is to learn what it feels like when you learn something. Now, that's a, what a contradiction. The best way to know, in my estimation, and look, this could all be very... It's loosely based on science. Can I just say that? Can I just say loosely based? Because who knows what's going to change in the future? Who knows how my brain's going to change in the future? It might start deteriorating and I might not know my Arthur from my Martha, so to speak, soon enough. Who knows? With that said, learning what it feels like when you learn something can be a fantastic way to know or get a sense that possibly you're doing your brain some good things because we can get on the scales we do some exercise i'll say to a sweetheart look you do some exercise what happens you burn some energy maybe you lose a bit of weight if you want to if you need to whatever you know there's a consequence you can measure it you lift some weights your muscles get bigger you can go oh that muscle got bigger you can see it but it's harder with the brain isn't it unless you're going in for functional MRI scans every other week it's hard to know what's happening is my brain getting bigger or is it getting smaller and if it is getting smaller is it getting smaller in the right way now that's a faint strange thing too isn't it yes your brain can get smaller and it can be better for you it's true what you can you can it's proven that you can teach yourself to be good at IQ tests you can teach yourself to be a genius if you want to use IQ tests as the only measure that's a dangerous proposition because people are good for IQ tests they're not necessarily geniuses Hmm. it's still the standard accepted test don't get me wrong but a test becomes compromised when you can train yourself to be good at it. I don't know. 
Anyway, it's all of this says a lot about the brain and it's unpredictable and the uncertain nature of measuring its health. Many of you listen to my podcast and there's many. I won't say there's heaps because it's different. Some and think that my mental health is possibly my, the agility of my brain must possibly be called into question. I don't know. I don't listen to myself. I just talk. Step one. Learn what it feels like to learn something. Because there's a bit of a twinge. There's a bit of a moment in the brain space where you kind of go, huh, oh, I think I've just acquired something. And demonstrating to yourself ability. Huh? Ability to do something new well. To do it well is very personal. It's a very personal, it's very rewarding, and often it's also quite difficult. People who've learned to play the piano understand this. They do, even if they don't realise they understand it. Because the piano, it's not, it's not natural, is it? It's not natural that we, we uh, put our fingers on some sort of prearranged, organised set of keys and, and follow little dots on, on lines. And, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not that the cavemen weren't doing that. The piano did not come out as a result of a caveman thinking, what are we going to do with this this big box that sort of looks like a computer without a screen and the the keys are way too big and they don't have letters on them? What are we going to do with this? Oh, and also, it's noisy. That's not what happened, was it? (sighs) What happened was the appreciation for the sound we had and... A caveman uh, mentality regarding the sequence of noises because there was something alluring about it in terms of our survival. It's really scientific. It's the attempt. It's entropy. 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 You know that thermodynamic thing where we all seek equilibrium in the universe. The universe and all its forces are constantly seeking equilibrium. They'll never achieve it because that's the problem, isn't it? Things are not balanced. Anyway, that's really what music is. Music is like an expression of that uh, inequity in the universe. Um, Except uh, we use music to explore the, the beauty of that inequity to further our understanding of of uh, how to solve the inequity, which we which we can never do. Anyway, let's talk about music. It's just an example. But if you teach yourself to play the piano, you're going to have to do the things like the scales and the rest of it. You're going to have to do things. Your left hand's going to have to do things that your right hand doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to do, and vice versa. It is a feeling that it creates. 
That's what it is. Learning the piano is a feeling, if you could put it into one word. Maybe Germans or someone like that have got one word for it. Learning the piano is a very specific feeling. But don't get me wrong, it crosses over into lots of other experiences. Understanding that feeling is really important because then you can learn how to you can you can become a little bit addicted to that feeling and you go looking for it in other places that is powerful that is powerful because then suddenly everything becomes a chance for you to go beyond what you are already comfortable with piano provides a very controlled opportunity for that because you know you've got the scales you've got the keyboard everything's sort of the tools of your lesson are very neatly controlled and presented so yeah anyway <sighs> if whatever it is that you're doing apply yourself to it with a degree of discipline and you too will feel that sense of expansion in your brain. You'll feel those little connections being made. You will. And there'll be certain things that become automatic. Their subconscious become relied upon in terms of your instincts. You are literally training your instincts and your instincts are able to be trained. That's what makes people good fighters. And makes, makes some people good fighters, other people not be so good because they haven't trained their instincts okay. All right. so anything that sort of involves you enhancing a pre-existing sort of well building upon the, the foundation of your instincts like that's literally everything that allows you to become an expert at something and that's really what I'm getting to here, folks. The best thing you can do for your brain is to become an expert at something. It's not a new concept. It's not. Lots of people talk about it. Lots of people make mention of it. The difference here is, however, you're listening, the difference here is understanding what those tasks are, what those areas of interests are that allow you to truly become an expert. <laughs> now we could say that basketball dude who shoots the three pointers all the time, he's an expert at that. Well, he didn't become good enough. He didn't get to a point where it's kind of like, well, now I can be really good for my team on the field, on the court, when it's game time. His, that's not expert, that's proficiency. He's got proficient. So when he's on the, in the game, he can shoot the three, goes in the basket. That's proficient, he's doing his job. The expert part of it probably means that he is so good at doing that that there is no 
uh, domain, there's no actual opportunity for him to fully express his expertness, so to speak. It's like a three-point competition, but even then it had to be some crazy three-point competition where he'd be in a class of his own anyway. You know what I mean? Mm. All right. So expert is not proficiency. There's a difference. Expert requires a considerable amount of practice beyond what is necessary. And that's the hardest thing to get your head around. Mm, Beyond what is necessary. Well, shooting three-pointers was never necessary. Oh, here we go. How you doing? Scooby now. All right. Playing the piano was never necessary. You know, what is necessary, huh? What is necessary? Never necessary. Am I right? Yes, I am right. So expert is not necessary unless you are a part of your society. Which brings me to the other dimension. Now, okay. Let's just recap. First, learn what it feels like when you learn something and get addicted to it. Get addicted to that feeling, which means that you're constantly searching for new experiences and new understandings. Learn what it feels like to learn something, get addicted to it. I think become an expert at something. Become an expert at something. And the next and probably the last thing for this little podcast anyway... Your brain needs society. You need to be across lots of different understandings in terms of society and how it works. And that means interacting with people who you don't agree with. That means learning something about cultures that seem foreign and strange and possibly even dangerous to you. That means going out and listening to music that you don't, you wouldn't normally like. But you go out and you do it with other people. You go to live music sessions, and you get the, you need the visceral experience of participating in the world in coordination with others. That's the social dimension. That's the social aspect of it. That's it. That's why people hear stories all the time. People go, oh, the 50s, the 50s and over um, life, lifestyle villages. And they think, I'm never going to do that. I'm just going to, I'm going to hang on to the family home until I drop dead. And that's it. We're done. Oh, I've had enough. Thanks very much. I'm checking out. All right. That's what a lot of people think. And then they get those people who are kind of like, well, I'm sort of forced. I have to. I haven't got enough money, I'm going to have to sell the house. And then where am I going to go? Well, I've only, I'm only ever going to be able to afford one of these lifestyle places, aren't I? The 50s and over, or whatever you want to call them. And then they go, off they go. And what happens? Yes, they end up saying to themselves, this is the best thing I've ever done. Or why didn't I do this earlier? And it's got nothing to do with the place or the, or the situation. It's got nothing to do with the... With the with the house that they're living in, it's got to do with the fact that they're surrounded by people 
there's a village atmosphere, there's a sense of community, there's a sense of reliance on each other. Now that feels good in your heart and your soul, but your brain is really responds to that sort of stuff. Your brain loves it. Now the, the homes that I suppose we used to call the geriatric homes are the homes for the people who are very old. That's a sort of a different situation. Those people still need contact with the younger generation. You know, it's, It becomes a bit strange, I think, in that way. Uh, but that's just a conversation for another time, I suppose. So anyway, that's what I'll be telling my little girl. I'll be saying, sweetheart, darling, get to know what it feels like to learn something and fall in love with that feeling. Uh, don't be afraid to become an expert at something which involves dedication beyond your ability to be very proficient. You have to be so good at something that there really exists no platform for you to express how good you are. It becomes just a very personal thing that you understand for yourself. Possibly, you know, but that's... Obviously you're able to celebrate your talents. So that's relative, but you understand what I'm saying. It's a personal acceptance of competency. And if you measure yourself relative to your own expectations, then you will be surprised just how limitless your abilities are. And the third thing, be social. You've got to talk to the peeps, lots of different peeps, and keep the door open. Your brain needs it. It needs it. Okay, all right. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, until next time.